are listening to The Depression Session at 99.1 FM Downtown Radio. Each week, we'll have a new guest tell the story of their depression. I'm your host, Laura Milkins, and thank you for joining us on The Depression Session. Just a note for my listeners, I want to make sure you understand that this is a show about depression, and some of the content can be triggering, so please take care of yourself if something on the show brings up difficult feelings, and seek professional help if you need it. Thank you. Hello and welcome to the Depression Session on Downtown Radio. Today we have with us in the studio Mark Hostler. Mark is a founding member of the audio-visual collage group Negative Land. We'll be right back with Mark, but first let's talk about Unsure. All right, so I am feeling insanely unsure about a whole bunch of things in my life right now and feeling some internal pressure that I need to figure those out and know what I'm doing. I do know that I will be done with my job officially in May, and I know I'm taking my students to Oaxaca, Mexico. That's now solidified. I'm going to take them this summer for another trip there, which is going to be amazing. And then nothing else has any outline to it. I don't know what I'm going to do for all of June, and I don't know what I'm going to do from August 8 forward, except go visit my mom in Michigan and get in some of that beautiful weather when the trees are changing colors and the air is gorgeous and it's like 105 degrees here. So that's like just the only thing I know in my life right now. I'm thinking of starting my own kind of, it's not, I keep saying it's not an art school. It's, it's a portal. <laughs> it's some sort of way to get access to interesting people that can help you make artwork, some sort of mentorship. And I won't be one of the teachers necessarily. I just want to set up something where students can have access to what they need to be the artists they need to be. Yeah. And I don't want it to be formal and I don't think they're going to get a piece of paper. They're just going to get access to stuff that'll help them be the artists they already are. That's kind of my thought. And that all being said, I don't know how I'm going to do that. And I don't even know if I'm going to start there. Part of me just wants to go live in Bali for three months and be in humid tropical land and do nothing. And part of me thinks I'm just going to spend like November being depressed and doing nothing and getting in bed a lot. That scares me a little bit. And part of me thinks that I'm going to go off on some amazing journey and just go to Mexico and be in an artist residency or something. I literally have no idea what next year looks like. Most of the time that's awesome. And that's, that's, a place that I've missed because my life has been so scheduled for like six years. And I have felt the structure of the time and the structure of school. And I don't think that's the right thing for me as a teacher. And then I don't know where that, you know, I don't know where that's going to go. That thought I have a lot of grandiose ideas and I think I'll probably do most of them because I'm kind of like that. But the unsure space feels free, and the unsure space feels black, like a big sucking hole that could be bad, that will suck the light out of me just from having had depression really badly at certain points. If there's too much free time, I hope that that free time's healthy. So to all of you out there in an unsure space where your future looks nebulous, I hope you're finding your way through that and feeling some gratitude or something. Today we have with us in the studio Mark Hostler. Mark is a founding member of the audio-visual collage group Negative Land. Hello, Mark. Welcome to the Depression Session. Hello. 
What do you want to share with our audience? Uh, <laughs> something to do with depression, probably. <laughs> what about life in general? Yeah, Who yeah. are you and <laughs> what's new with you? Well, I've been uh, spending a, a lot of time in a place I have been in, madly in love with for the last 21 or two years, Tucson, Arizona. So that's just been a thrill. I've visited many, many times over the years and made friends and, and done many events, performances, lectures, workshops, all kinds of stuff here, Bisbee. Phoenix Flagstaff and in Tucson, but yeah, I always I always had this this dream of of wanting to see what it was like to live in the Sonoran Desert, not near it, not where you could get in your car and drive to it, but you're in it. And after all this very difficult, horrible, awful stuff, which I assume I'll be talking about shortly, happened to me. I did stumble. You know, I I don't believe things happen for a reason, but I did have something drop into my lap that was so amazing how it dropped in my lap. It was so easy and remarkable and perfect and serendipitous that it just seemed like I had to say yes. And that yes was to just living in a in an extremely cheap, dilapidated little stone hut in, in the desert on the outskirts of Tucson, where what's out my door is the desert. It's not a street. It, it, it's not near it. I'm actually in it. On my meager uh, wages as a, as a uh, art, artist weirdo, I actually have been able to pull it off. So it's uh, cool. that's, that's been remarkable. Yeah, that that's been that's been a magical thing that I've been trying to really appreciate. I always vacillate between city girl, country girl. When I lived in Boston, I used to complain. I'd say, "Ah, oh, I just want to have a day off. We don't go anywhere. We don't go to any art openings. There's no events and parties and get-togethers and dinners out. Like, just stay home and watch a video." And then my partner and I moved to New Hampshire to seven acres with a river through it, an old, old, old house. And then at night, I'd say, "We could just go anywhere. I mean, we could just go drive down the street and, like, you know, go to the mini mart or something. That's probably not even open, is it? It's nine thirty. Everything's closed. <laughs> right. But I loved being out in something that felt like space. Like there's space around you, and there's land and there's an, an elk in your yard yeah you know but i also like being now i'm back to being urban girl in the middle of tucson you definitely are actually i'm in my own little one square mile town it's not my town but it's the town i live in right. which is south tucson i love that it's a square mile well tucson is incredibly strange how it is a the greater metropolitan sprawl of tucson is a million people yeah it really is. And some of them live in a stone you know? hut. <laughs> yeah, but the, the overlaid on that, there is this there are these there are these various uh, cultures and subcultures that kind of sorta feel like I'm in a city that's more like 30, 40,000 people. And and yet then you have things happen like events, parades, festivals and stuff, symphony, things that would only happen in a much much bigger city. So it's a it's a really it is a very very curious mix in in, in and just undefinable. And also People in Tucson, at least this has been my experience, and another reason why I was drawn to spending time here after all these losses I went through, is people here are really, really nice. And I don't know why. Like small town, I mean, I, I've lived in, in different real small towns, and I also have lived outside of Asheville, North Carolina, in the Appalachian Mountains. And there's, it reminds me of like southern small town nice. I call it the over-the-fence effect like i know all my neighbors here yeah and we'll just stand there in the yard and talk over the fence yeah it's very nice yeah that's not that's not a million people city thing to do no i i also live in a town in in north carolina that has 900 people that's what happens there all the time and i quite love it and it happens to me here 
all the time too. <laughs> so I love it. And yeah, and and I again, I, it's it's really quite mystifying. But that's okay. I don't if it, if I never get an answer to that. It's all right. Yeah, I've always I, you can measure distances in Tucson by circle K's. You know, it's like it's how many circle K's from here? It's you know or Walgreens. Walgreens. Yeah, it's Walgreens. And now I think you can measure distances by mattress firms. Yeah, maybe. And how many mattress firms away are you from me right now? On that note. Yes. Mark, tell us the story of your depression. Oh well, you were talking about being unsure, and that's something that uh, part of my being in here was giving myself permission to be very, very unsure. And so, yeah, what happened was over the course of, I guess, four or five years, someone I was briefly dating died of a brain aneurysm. And then my father died. And then an early member of Negative Land died, a huge influence and impact on my direction as a creative person, a very important person, Ian, he died. My father, John, died. And then uh, Don in Negative Land, who's one of the big parts of our brain trust, he died, and then my mother died, and then Richard, who's one of the founding members of our group and my old, one of my oldest friends, died of cancer. Every, everyone died of, of health issues, age-related things. They weren't surprises for the most part, except, of course, for the brain aneurysm. That was a hell of a surprise. And I was the caregiver for four of those six people uh, intermittently but was very involved over, over many years as all everything was kind of winding down, dealing with the estates. In fact, at one point, I was dealing with both my mom's estate and Don's estate at the same time. You get into this place, which you may know, where you just sort of on autopilot. And you kind of know it's going to end, but you're just on autopilot. And when I, when I had this chance, this, this chance fell into my lap to get a place here. And that all happened just because I, I was going to sell my mom's car. My parents lived in the San Francisco Bay Area in the suburbs. And I was going to sell my car. The very, very last minute, I decided, beep it just helping you helping you self bleep here <laughs> i'm driving i'm driving to arizona it's april it'll be great weather I'll, i can stay with friends in you know la and phoenix along the way and i'm just i don't know what i'm doing but i just i got to put i got to place that i've always had a very deep spiritual connection to that landscape and i just think i sh i just got to go there cuz i don't know what i'm doing i just i just feel you know just lost right here and uh, and so when i was here on that particular visit that's when I just stumbled into this into this situation, and 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 as I said earlier, you know, I just I, it was just so incredible. I just said yes, even though I didn't know what yes was going to look like, but I just said yes. So what, I'm going to back up a little bit here because part of what I was bringing to the table in this moment of trying to give myself space and time to process all of these deaths is that when I was 24, my only brother died in a climbing accident. He fell, broke his neck, crushed his ribs, brain, and he died. And being a, that young when that happened, I mean, this this is just, you know, having your, your world ripped apart in a way that you've just, at least for me, I've never experienced. And it plunges you into kind of a blacker than black hole, you know, just as you were like a sucking black hole that you can't see any way out of. And the depths of pain you're in every day are, it isn't about trying to make it through the week or the day or even the hour. You're trying to figure out how to get through the next 30 seconds without, yeah, and, and you're feeling like you can't do it. You, you can't survive this. I mean, that's the, the internal feeling of, I cannot survive this. But you, you know, you do. You, you keep going through it. And, and one of the things that when I did learn was my father called on the phone to tell me the, of the accident, my brother, I had this sort of almost 
out of body moment, you know, or, or just almost being kind of objective uh, observation of myself in this moment and thinking, okay, Mark, your whole life is divided between before this phone call and after this phone call. And you're embarking on a roller coaster ride from hell that you have no idea what this looks like. You've never been through this. And wherever your brother is, his name is Craig. Wherever Craig is, he, if he's anywhere, he's fine. He's fine. So what can you, the only thing you can do to make it have any meaning at all is that you, Mark, you have to get as much out of this that's positive in some way that you cannot see now. You have to, how can you grow? How can you learn? How can you gain some wisdom, insight, compassion, empathy? What, what can you get out of this that, that improve that, that in, in some positive way that that would make the death have meaning? And I don't know why I thought of that when I was only 24, but I did. And, it's, and, I, and it was a thing I kind of hung on to. And I didn't really, at that, in that moment of having that insight, I didn't have any clue how dark it was going to get. A month and a half later, the studio where all of Negative Land was living and working together caught on fire. The downstairs dry cleaner, at least, caught on fire. And I was saving all my things at our recording studio and the master tapes of what went on to become our best-selling record. I saved it out of a burning building. And I was, I was sleeping at friends. I was homeless, you know, in the Bay Area for about three months, sleeping on, on couches, not on the street, but... So, yeah, it, it, it got even worse. I was a preschool teacher trying to get to work every day, trying to somehow keep, keep my head on straight, and eventually I couldn't. I mean, I, I lasted, I don't know, maybe another nine months or something, but I, I couldn't keep doing it. But what I did learn from this was that one day you wake up and the dark, black, blacker, just unimaginably black, for you listeners out there, uh, uh, Laura is looking at me and nodding very, very nicely. <laughs> You can't hear. You need a nodding sound. <laughs> um, thank you. I appreciate the nods. But what I, what I learned was that one day you wake up and suddenly, instead of feeling that level of blackness, it feels like really, really, really dark charcoal gray. But it is different. You, 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 you do sense like, and I remember that day when, that, when I thought, oh, oh, a tiny, like a tiny, tiny movement. And it all was happening glacially slow. You, 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 you cannot deal with how slow this process is, but it is a process. It is happening. And I gradually, gradually over, you know, over a number of years, I did change in ways I like. I do wish he was here and I wish he was alive, particularly when I went through losing my parents and not having him to help. It was just really rough. But I also like the person I grew into because of going through that loss. I do. I mean, I value that, the insights I got from it. So, you know, having been through that, having kind of this experience of, I know that I can actually feel like I can't possibly survive this, but I will. So I've been through that, right? And I also know that, that working through pain and loss takes its own damn time. You cannot rush it. And nor is it wise to cover it up with, you know, getting stoned all the time or drunk or working or uh, becoming a, a more of a workaholic. Or, you know, you, you do need to give yourself time to, to, to let it work its way through you. Because if you don't, it's going to come up and bite you in the ass in other ways. You know, other forms of, I think, health issues, relationship problems, job issues, depression. I mean, it'll come back. You may not even see the connection, but I think it'll, it can come back. So I kind of had that, that kind of, at, at a fairly young age, I have this pretty complex sort of set of, of insights and experiences. So when I go through all the losses that I've been through more recently, you know, that's kind of what I brought, that's what I had to bring to the table. Like, okay, I'm going to give myself time. 
I, I have this remarkable situation in, 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 in you know, the Sonoran Desert in semi-beautiful Tucson, Arizona. <laughs> it's, it's, God, parts of the city are so ugly, too. Oh, man, but I love it here. Anyway, um, <laughs> and, and so, and I actually kind of giving myself the time to be utterly unsure about what does this mean? Because it's not just, I, I now have literally no family left at all. And that's something that can happen to any of us if we live long enough. It does happen. It's part of the human experience. It, I, on average, probably I'm a little, I'm young to, to have no family. And I, and I don't have, you know, I don't have children. I love working with kids. But in fact, in fact, working with kids is part of what scared me off from ever having them, even though I was really good at my job. I mean, I was good at working with kids, but the reality of it, yeah, that definitely impacted. Anyway. I'm, I've never been at this moment before where I've also lost not just my oldest friends, but these are, Negative Lens very collaborative, and we, we, use, we use each other as sounding boards in our work. And so I would constantly have some kind of weird new creative idea, because our, our work is real goofy, strange, odd, it's political, but it's also just really wacky. And, and uh, I'd have some wacky weird new idea, and I'd want to call Don or, or send him an email and say, what do you think? Because Don was the harshest critic ever. But if he actually thought it had promise, then that probably meant it maybe had some merit. Uh, Richard brought his brutal, dark, sardonic humor into, into what we were doing. And, and, and so I, at first, was doing pretty well. And I was thinking, you know, I'm doing it pretty good job here. I felt like I feel like I'm doing a pretty good job of taking past insights and, and taking care of myself. And so what surprised me was when I hit, I guess it was Mother's Day and then the anniversary of Richard's death, I started to tumble into a dark place that was really, really dark again. And, and it was a different new kind of dark because I realized for better or for worse, we, we define ourselves by our relationships, by our jobs, by our communities, by our, our sense of meaning and identity and, and, and uh, having any agency in the world is so connected to all those things, right? And maybe if I was some extremely enlightened, uh, more, a more enlightened person, maybe that wouldn't be the case. But it, it was really starting to hit me how much my sense of, of, of meaning and, and context and, and all that was just was just ripped out from under me. And then I felt kind of just unmoored. Like I'm in a houseboat, I have plenty of provisions, and I'm floating out in some giant infinite ocean. I have no idea where I am. I have no idea where land is and I don't and and and, uh, and, and I don't like this. You know, I don't like this 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 unmoored confusing. I'm not liking life. I'm not liking being alive. And it's and it's slowly I descended into I'm self-employed. So if I don't want to get out of bed, I don't have to. And it got it got really scary. It scared the hell out of me, actually, how how dark it got. And and I realized I wasn't prepared for I that as as much as I thought I knew, like, no, this is still a new moment that I've never been here before. And and so I then ended up this last summer when it got to be 105, 110, I did go back to North Carolina for a lot of that heat and being summer with green and beautiful. And actually that turned out to be very, very helpful. I was wondering if it was, I didn't know if it would, but it turned out that the change of scenery and I actually got into working on projects on the house that I live in there. I worked on the house all summer and did a whole lot of kind of just, just regular, just doing stuff. That turned out to be really great. What, what I, and then as, as I hit fall and, and the leaves fell and everything looks kind of more dead out there and it became cold and became dark because we observe uh, daylight savings time in North Carolina, unlike some states I know, 
yeah, the, that same depression and that same dark place kind of came back again. Really, really scary. So I'm back here. I'm really enjoying being back here. It's been really, really wonderful. And part of what I'm now thinking about is it is hell. I think it is good and healthy that I've done what I did and tried to give yourself the time and give yourself the space. But what I'm starting to think about now is, is where does that start to edge over? There's no exact divining line I can name, but where does that start to edge over into becoming maybe not healthy? Because maybe at some point it's like, yes, those people are always going to be with you and their loss is always going to be with you and you're never going to not think about them every single day, but you're, you are alive. Your life is now and what, and you have a future, and what is that going to be about? It's like I was walking forwards, but with my back to the to the future, <laughs> and I'm and I'm looking back at everything, and I need to do that, and I want to do that, and now what I'm trying to deal with is, what does it look like? And I don't have an answer to this yet, but at least I'm asking the question: is what does it look like to say, okay, all that horrible, dark, awful, sad, difficult, crappy stuff is very real, and it's something that is going to always, you know, it's there, and it's going to come up, and it's going to come and go, but what does it look like to sort of also say, well, but this is, this life is what I have, and I, this, this is what I've got now. What do I do with it? You know, where do I go creatively, artistically, personally, et cetera, et cetera, all that stuff. And one last thing I would add was, is the, all of this would be about 25% better if we didn't have the particular orange Cheeto in the White House that we have right now. And I have to say the daily screwing with, my, with all of our brains who care or anyone who's listening who has, is troubled by that particular guy being the president. I think that has a real, that has a, I, I definitely became aware that like that, that casts a pall over everything too. Anyway, I guess, and I, and I have to say, thinking about my, my, my sort of my quote-unquote arts practice, which I was saying to you before we started this interview, is all about asking questions. And, and that's, I think, part about, you know, when you're, when you're a creative person or, or an artist, it's asking questions and the work is a result. So I'm asking, I hope when I, I'm asking some new good questions. Mark, thanks so much for your story. <laughs> yeah. So I want to pull out a few things from there that just, I mean... As soon as you talked about your brother dying, I thought it's so much easier to go through your parents' death when you have a sibling. Mm. And there were things that about it that weren't helpful because we were both so sad. But having an older brother who's living who could at least understand the only person who ever had the same two crazy parents. Yeah. And you can share the the stories and little funny, sad and happy and wacky moments. Yeah. Yeah. From the past that you can think of. Yeah. Yeah. And that stuff, we, we did a, a Christmas special, me and my mom and my brother just talking about being family, the holidays and depression because They've both been on my show at some point. I almost think everybody goes through depression, but death and grief and loss can take you there in a different way. Yeah. Oh, yeah, definitely. This last one I went through, coming into Christmas, definitely that was part of it, too. Yeah. Because yeah. my, my Christmases when I was little were actually really nice. I have good memories of them with my family. So that impacted me, too. Yeah. Yeah. And it always seems like it can't just be one thing. Right. When something happens like that, I mean, yours was an incredible amount of loss, actually. You know, it's enough to lose one parent, then the last two, and then friends and a girlfriend randomly. Like, that's yeah. seems a little cruel <laughs> in the cosmics. Yeah. It's like, what scene. the heck? Come on. Oh, yeah. You feel like, oh, come on. Yeah.
And I also really related <laughs> to like, okay, I've got this skill set I can bring to this. I've done this a lot in life and especially with depression. I've got this skill set. Hey, I've got this. this. I'm, I, I, yeah, right. <laughs> and it turns out not to be true. The things that you you learned with your brother's death just, I'm sure some of them helped, but it was a whole. They helped a little. Sure. They gave me a, a running start, as it were, to sort of get off. I got off on the right foot, actually. I really did. I mean, and I was actually, I felt good about that. I felt like when you're in the, when you're, when you're either coming out of or teetering of depression or teetering on the brink of it, if you have an O'Day, a day that just feels okay, that's huge. It's yeah. like, wow, I had an O'Day, an O'Day, where I felt okay. I had <laughs> day. a day where I felt okay. And that's a great achievement. And I felt like, good. You're doing okay. You're doing good here, Mark. You're just you're doing okay. That's good. I I was so caught off guard by having it. It turns out this is coming in these weird waves. So I now have to think. Well, there probably could. There's probably going to be more of them. Probably. Yeah. But I just hope I I am at least being at, at least self aware enough about them. And again, asking questions. I mean, I think now what I, one thing I'd like to do would be to talk to some kind of counselor, therapist, person who's who's old. I want to talk to someone who's like 80 or 90 and who can bring their wisdom and insight into into this 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 story that I'm telling because from from being many many years ahead of me. That segues into the other thing I was thinking about which is I often have this feeling if you're lucky and you live long enough, you lose a bunch of people that really matter to you. I remember my grandmother being 89 and saying all my friends are dead. Yeah, it's just like, wow, it well, just sucks. <laughs> yeah, it's not lucky. Yeah, it actually kind of just sucks. And I well, think lucky that's, physically, you know, in lucky. a physical yeah, way. Physically, if you were physically yes. lucky enough to live to yeah. be 89, you're going to lose yeah. a bunch of people that are important to you. Yeah. But I, yeah, but it, it's been hard to deal with the fact that I literally, I got to a moment where I thought, you know, I'm not literally suicidal, but I really don't feel like being alive. I don't like this life I now have where I have no context. I can't figure out what the hell my meaning is anymore. And because I've lost too many things, if it was any one of those, one or two, but it was so many different people in different aspects of my life that it's just, God, it's just, it's just been bonkers trying to figure that out. And I'm still, I'm obviously, I'm still, I'm still working on that one. And I, oh. I would just add another another th- thing I feel like I've learned from all the stuff I've gone through is don't feel bad about feeling bad. Just feel bad. You know, <laughs> if you're going to you're feeling bad, feel bad. But yeah, don't feel bad about feeling bad. It's not yeah, it's not bad that you're feeling bad. <laughs> no. But I think a lot of times we do that. I think we not only feel bad, but then we feel really bad about feeling we or we're depressed about being depressed. And I do think you know. that is our culture, yeah. American culture more than others, that if if your posts aren't all happy and your your demeanor isn't always pleasant and doing well, it's not acceptable. Well, yeah, all these devices and social media has, has created a world where you can, if you want, create this curated version of your life and who you are. And I think a lot of people are doing it. I think kids are growing up where it's normal to do that. And so they're not even, you're just, everyone else's life seems like it's so much more wonderful and fun and exciting and, uh, than yours when everyone's curating their, their, their special life just like you are. And it's very misleading. Yeah. How do we, yeah, what can we do and how we build and create our lives now that that maybe increase our chances that when we are older, that we'll work, things will work out better? Yeah. But what about those of us who have chosen, you know, chosen or to not have children? 
who's going to, I was there to wipe my dad's butt, but I don't know who's going to wipe mine. Yeah. I figured <laughs> they could just throw me in the mass grave. There you go. That's my plan. Well, I keep wondering if all my art, yeah, all my sort of music, noise, sound, film, arts, weirdo friends, there's a lot of them that don't have kids, actually. And I keep I'm thinking, I'm hoping we're going to start to self-organize in some way, some of us, you know, to start to kind of help each other out, pool our resources, I don't know, something. Co-housing. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, but also I realize as you get older, you just get, you just get more and more cranky and set in your ways about all the little things you'd like to have be just so, you know, and like, how's that going to work? I don't know. On that note. On that note, that I don't know. I'm unsure about that. Thanks so much for being on the Yeah, you're welcome. Session. Sure. I want to mention again that if you found some of the content of today's episode triggering, please seek professional help and call 911 if you feel like hurting yourself or others. I'm not a licensed therapist, and this show and the station are not endorsing any remedies or products. The purpose of this show is to destigmatize depression through storytelling. You can find a link to mental health services on downtownradio.org on the About KTDT page. To listen to the podcast, or if you're interested in being on the show, contact us at www.thedepressionsession.com. You've been listening to The Depression Session on Downtown Radio Tucson with music by Septa Helix. Find us on Facebook and Twitter at The Depression Session Podcast. Thank you.